boom, chicka boom, 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 chicka boom, boom, chicka boom, 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 chicka boom, boom, chicka boom, 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 chicka boom. Hey yo, what's happening? It's Julie Fowdy with Lynn Zowie. This is Laughter Permitted. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Julie. All right, we are closing out our final episode of our bonus week of giving the people what they want with World Cup Champs Week. Cue the crowd noise. <laughs> our final episode, not on the pot, is with Jill Ellis. We had the chance to sit with Jill Ellis before her second to last victory tour game. Now, mind you, this is a two-time World Cup champion. She is the most winning, most winningest. You can't say most winningest, can you? She has won the most games in U.S. history with 106 wins. She passed the late great Tony DeChico at 105. She coached collegiately at UCLA. She may have a hint of a British accent. It's because she was born in England but moved to the U.S. as a teenager. And then she became an American citizen. My husband would say to me, is that your Russian accent? No, honey, that's my English one. So get comfortable listening. It's Jill Ellis. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing. Summer loving, <laughs> had me a blast. Summer loving, happened so fast. <laughs> I we could do all of that. would be great. Oh, for music tunes, show tunes, love. <laughs> I just saw, um, God, was it Evan Hansen? Have you oh, seen it? Oh, God, I heard it's depressing. That's oh, so good. It's so good. As a mom, you have to see it. I, I'm Not afraid because I'd sob through the whole thing. I mean, there's, there's a few tears, but it's just the way it's put together. It's so modern. It's so connected to social media and modern i mean lily drove us to see she's like we want to see it i want to see it so we were in new york and we saw it It was fantastic yeah i had a friend just see it and they said it was so good but they cried the entire time okay so back in the day yep when i had the camera i would have a player or person set the scene okay jill ellis set the scene (laughs) Me set the scene? Yes, please. Okay, well. I'm going to do my best British accent all day. All right. But that sounds terrible. Yours is terrible. (laughs) And I don't really have a British accent anymore. We'll talk about that. It's a hybrid. Well, gosh, I'm, well, I'm closing out and uh, excited. Last two games, kind of getting a little bit nostalgic, not going to lie. Got my family coming to the games in Chicago, game in Chicago. But here I am with you, legend, eating donuts. It's pretty much uh, a really cool morning. (laughs) Good, for dude. me i'm excited not sure why the elephant's here but uh we'll see and i know your fans your fans can't see this but there's an elephant looking at me right now in a plastic donut and a plastic along donut. with the real donuts yeah those are our squeaky toys those ah, are new gotcha i'm excited about those fantastic i was sick of the little squeaky blue dog great that never squeaked in it i thought like, it was just a, a metaphor for let's talk about the elephant in the room or something. <laughs> it was very clever could be could be no that's way too thoughtful for us we gotcha. don't way yeah. too deep for us yeah. okay <laughs> just a toy got it let's start there then okay you are literally 
days away from freedom. (laughs) Margaritas every day by noon. Sleeping in. What do you mean? I have margaritas every day. (laughs) Who needs Um, to be retired for that? Exactly. Yeah, it's... um, I can't believe it's you know five and a half years, so it's gone. It's gone kind of crazy, crazy fast in a way. A period there, kind of dragged. I'm not going to lie, but um, I think overall it's it's been it's been a great ride. It really has. <laughs> Which period dragged? Well, just you know, just in the pushing through some of the growing pains and kind of retooling this team and um, you know this team we you know losing. I think I've had like seven losses. You remember those losses? <laughs> They're still traumatic. So, but yeah, it's it's been great. Everything's been it's been a fantastic ride and such a privilege. But what about mentally? Like the freedom to not have to be consumed in it every day. Um, I, like that's part of what I loved about this. You know, I think at times it was almost, it was harder for me to step away from my computer and not look at game film and, um, because that's just, you know, that's just kind of what I, I'm intrigued by. But I think, yeah, I, you know, this job is, it's 24 seven. Even when you're not in camp, you're either looking at players, thinking about players, you know, looking at other teams. So it's, it's pretty consuming. So I think the, that part of it, but I just, I just don't know what I would not do. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I go to a beach and after an hour I'm bored. So I think, you know, I took my kid to Kirk's Turks and Caicos and I was like, okay, this is great. Like, what are we doing now? So I think, um, I think that having that freedom part is, yeah, I don't, I don't know that that's going to that be, be great. Scary, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to get up to some trouble, but no, I, it, it's what I love to do. It's, it's not. It's not a job. It is a job, but it's not a job. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like you, you. You're doing what you love, and it's rewarding in so many ways. How's um, How's Betsy going to be with with you around more? She's probably going to be taking more vacations without <laughs> me. Probably. Um, she's good. No, I mean, it, you, you know yourself when you when you travel so much. You've got. I always say, you know, Lily screwed. She's got two alpha female moms, right? So, um, but when I come home, and when you're on the road, you're so used to having a staff and. You know, you're kind of in charge most of the time. And when you go home and then you have to transition to, I, I don't get my way all the time. And you mean I have, I'm not the boss? <laughs> exactly. And, or, you know, they get in a routine without you because you're gone so much that it's mm. like you you almost have to kind of fill in and fit in. And then it, so, it's, you know, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's a little conflictual mm-hmm. because it's, you know, you've got two different worlds colliding. But it's great. I mean, my family, I couldn't have done this without them. You know, the support they've given me has been unreal. When when I retired and um, I was home a little bit more, Ian would look at me and he'd be like, <laughs> "Is it time to travel?" Yeah, like, <laughs> "When's your next yep. trip?" Because you're driving me crazy. Yeah. It's like that is not nice. I know. I <laughs> you know. should enjoy my company. Exactly. No, I mean I think it's why well, you know, and I have a teenager, so it doesn't matter if I'm there or not there. I'm pretty much ignored most of the time. So <laughs> she was so cute when I saw her. What, what game was it? Where were we? Just last game, Minneapolis? Yeah. Was uh, it Minneapolis? Yeah, I can't so. remember where I saw Lily there. And uh, I was like, Lil, what's up? How is life, you know, post-World Cup win? And she's like, <laughs> and I said, oh, no, we were talking about high school. How's high school? Because she's a freshman. Right. And she said, well, uh, the other day they announced to everyone that Jill Ellis is coming to talk to the school and that she's Lily. What's her last name? She goes, Stevenson she's Ellis. Lily Stevenson's mom. She goes, all this time I've been flying under the radar. 
She loved and it. She, and she outed me. The school outed me. Totally. Yeah. No, actually, I went and spoke to their school, and she actually, it was my birthday, so she wheeled out a big birthday cake. It was kind of cute, you know. And as much as she, you know, as much as I no, think she loved it. Yeah, she loved it. And then the other day, I went and they had a women's empowerment class, and the teacher had hit me up to come talk, so I went there. And Lily wasn't in the class yet. She'll probably be teaching the class at some point, but um, yeah, I was telling a story about about her and then later on that night I was like oh my god dude listen I told this story about you and it was she came home one day and she said to Betsy and I you know I think I'm going to um I think I'm going to get married at 25 I'm going to have kids by the time I'm 30 because you guys are old and you need to enjoy them I swear to god and then and she goes and my husband and I was like or a wife and she goes no I'm pretty sure I'm straight and I was like okay <laughs> I'm she's good she's going to be just fine in this life so yeah, she's she's a character. Uh, awesome. No, I'm pretty sure I'm straight, Mom. Yep. yep. <laughs> anyway, so I shared that story at school, and I was like, oh, my God. And I said to the class, I'm like, you better not tease her about that. So it's all good. <laughs> she's going to kill It's kind of like, well, there's another funny Lily story, and you can edit these out. But it, when, no, we, we love stories. We're all about stories. When, uh, when I was at UCLA, she was four, and my assistants would take her, you know, at times when I was, like, meeting with recruits or stuff. And one of my assistants took her down to CPK, and she ordered some food, and the the waitress said, hey, you know, a side, there's a side of edamame. Would you like some edamame? And she, the lady said it twice, and my assistant said, Lily looked at her, and she goes, no thanks, I already have two mummies. <laughs> it was classic, because because we never told Lily what to call us, and so I, because I was had lighter colored hair, I became pink mommy. Uh, and yeah, that was a pretty hard thing to take, you know, I'm like, here I am, this you know, coach, I'm pink mommy being screamed in the middle of Kmart, you know. And Betsy became... <laughs> she would scream that? Oh yeah, pink mommy, pink mommy, I'm like, oh, kind of looking around. And then Betsy became, by default, other mommy. Oh. Which she was like, you know, so literally Lily be in the grocery store, other mommy, other mommy. So, so when the lady asked if she wanted edamame, she was like, no, I got, I got two names, I'm good, thanks. So she's, she's yeah, that is so good. Yeah, she's got some good stories. Uh, what did Lily, what did Lily say to you after winning this last World Cup? Um, I'm so proud of you. Uh, you know, she, she, she gets it. I mean, she just, she was like, she was great. She says all the right things. She, I'm so proud of you. I mean, I'm so happy for you and congratulations. You know, it was all kind of those things. And, uh-huh. um, then it was kind of like, where are we going? Cause I promised that we'd go on a vacation. <laughs> so she's like, where are we going? I'm like, well, you can pick. So I let her do the research. Then we ended up at Turks and Caicos, but yeah, she was, she was super happy. I mean, she's, you know, what she's we, grown. What do I get out of this? <laughs> exactly. She's a teenager. Um, but she, you know, she's grown up around teams. So she's, she, she totally gets it. You know, that's going to be an interesting transition for her because she's been so present at so many of these. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I think it's, and you know, then, in so many ways, I think it's shaped her so much. She's yeah. so comfortable with people, talking to different people. I always say she's so more, so much more farther along when I was, than I was her age. You know, I was just, I was blending into the wallpaper and Lily's out front. You know, it's, it's let's go back to that age before we go to World Cups. Okay. Because Lynn and I were discussing, we're interested in that. We find it interesting that you grew up in England, of course, but really your soccer blossomed here. Yeah. So give a little, background on that, that if you would yeah i mean i i think my passion was ignited in england it, it can't not be because you know you're you're so consumed by it. it's on everything and my dad was coaching my brother was playing i play in the schoolyard but it wasn't till <clears throat> came to the states that i actually got to put on a jersey and be a part of a team and i remember i telling my mom i was going to try out for a soccer team she's like what she means football bloody football you know because she's <laughs> scottish and i said yeah she's like oh you know she's a little bit kind of turned off by it um, was this while you were in in England or back? No, no. This is when I came to America. And Which I told, was at what age? 
Uh, I was almost 15. Okay. Yeah, and I told her I was going to go try out for a team. And so she, you were like Lily's age? Yeah, I was just a little bit older. And she's, you know, my mom was like, what? You know, this is crazy. And, and I was pretty wet behind the ears in terms of you know just knowing what I was getting into and but literally my first high school game my mom's screaming at the referee I'm like she's she's blended right in she's a fan. she's fine she's fine um but yeah I mean I think it was just I I just never dreamed that I could actually play it you know in a, in like an organized fashion and be on mm. a team and have a position like literally the coach like where do you play I'm like oh anywhere and they put me at left wing I wasn't naturally left-footed but just figured it out because I was on the left side and you always had just been playing pickup yeah, with, I mean, my whole life in the schoolyard with the boys in the backyard with my brother. Wow, but always nothing ended up, organized. No, but I mean, I was always around a ball. I mean, you're just you know you become obsessed with it, and um, I loved it. I don't know that we explained why you didn't play when you were in England. Oh, we weren't allowed to. Yeah, it was um, not. We weren't allowed to. I mean, you know, it just wasn't any opportunity. There wasn't a national team really at the at the time. There wasn't any women playing. Um, there's right, no, there nothing. There's no. There's no structure to it. Yeah, I mean. So no youth girls teams. No, no zero. Yeah, prep school teams. No, we're talking in the seventies. <laughs> that was nothing. So yeah, it was nothing like that. And then, um, you know, obviously it's to see it. That's a good donut, huh? It was. Oh, it's the cinnamon roll. <laughs> okay, I waited ten minutes. <laughs> nice. That'll give you a little extra boost through this interview, huh? Um, but it was just it, yeah. It just became again. I mean, I think you just. I loved it. You know, my, my dad was English. My mom was Scottish. There was always a big Derby game and we would just get, get into it. And then my brother was a Man United fan. And, and in 78, my brother's club team came over to the States to play. And it was the first time I'd ever been to America. And so when, when my mom and dad made the decision that my dad was, they were going to move here, my brother was already in the Marines, so he wasn't coming. And they said to me, you can come or you can stay because I was in my last year of school because we finished school at 16 in England. And I said, oh, hell no, I'm coming. You know, I'm, I loved it. You know, it was just, it was just, it was, it was the land of opportunity. So, I mean, I know that had I stayed in England, I would not have had the career path or opportunities that I had here. That's so, so weird when yeah. you think about that. Oh, no doubt. It had been completely different. You know, you look back on your life, you look at every single juncture and decision you made at that point mm-hmm. and, and how you end up here. It's kind of crazy. It's like that movie, um, Sliding, sliding Doors. Is yeah. that it, right? Yeah, you totally. That? That's so crazy. It is crazy. When she makes the train or she misses it. Crazy. It's the one movie I've seen. Lynn's looking at me because (laughs) I am so terrible about movies and pop culture. I was actually looking at you because you were licking your fingers while talking. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) I thought you were giving me my cultural stink eye. When I met Ian's folks for the first time, because his whole family's in England, they literally, when they said, you play football? What? Like I had two heads. I'm like, Yeah. That's what we do in America. Totally. They're like, but you're so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta, I think you should be a monster if you're a woman who plays football. Absolutely. No question. <laughs> it's like, wow. Wait, Where wait. have you been over here? Oh, yeah. Very yeah, much. Yeah, culture. it was very, very different. 11 years at UCLA. Yep. Great success there. What did coaching in college teach you? I and mean, this is pre, yeah, of course, U.S. I mean, national team. So, so, I mean, a lot of things in a way. So many things that I think if I had to give it one word, it would be persistence because, you know, we were always knocking. Um, you know, we went to, I don't know how many Final Fours it was. Mm-hmm. You know, and you go through this process as a coach where you're like, okay, what what is it? I remember saying to my 
saying to my dad, you know, after like the third year, there's an American term, which obviously you guys know, which is I'm snake bit. And I said to my dad, I'm like, damn, I don't know if I'm snake bit. My dad's like, what's a fucking snake have to do with it? <laughs> and I'm like, good point. You know, let's, let's look in, inward and, and get better, you know? So I think persistence, but I think overall I was, um, just building relationships and connecting with people. You know, Nandy Price was one of my mm-hmm. early recruits and just, you know, getting to know the fabric of a person's family and connecting with them and just really understanding that it's, it is more than the athlete. It's more than just being out in the field. It's, it's knowing, you know, the, the thing, where they came from, who they're about. Um, you know, not just their soccer goals. What do they want to achieve? Cause you're, you're helping shape everything in that, in that regard. So just learned a lot about just people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from, if I were to look back on my college years, I think I, my one regret would be I was pretty siloed. I, I was very independent in my thinking. My, my peers were my competitors and I really didn't allow myself to kind of mm-hmm. build, I think, relationships that coming out of college, I was like, God, what, look at what I've been missing. These people are amazing, right? My peers. Uh-huh. And so I was very, you know, you're always fighting for the same recruit and you just, so I kept my head down and mm-hmm. probably didn't truly realize the benefits of being part of a community outside of just oh, my, my staff. When was the moment that you knew you wanted to get into coaching? Um, gosh, Co- coaching period. I think, I think I don't know if there was a really a moment. It was almost like a decision. So I never had planned on it. I went to, Went to college, went to graduate school. That was just a way of paying for, you know, I was an assistant coach, a uh, graduate assistant. And that was just a way of paying for my, my degree. And then I went into the business world and April Heinrich called. And she had been an assistant at William & Mary. And she called and said, hey, I've got this job at at Maryland for, I think it was like six grand a year. And I was clo- making, I was a lead writer at the time. So I was making close to 50, which was a lot when you are a young puppy back then. Five oh, Yeah. At where? I was at uh, a company called Northern Telecom. They're, I think they're Nortel now. But, but you said you were the lead. I was a writer in a group, so I was huh. doing technical writing, and I was, you know, I've been there. Technical writing. Yeah, yeah. Let's well, get you, hot stuff. <laughs> Julie, Jill has her master's in technical writing. No, oh. I, no, I never defended my thesis. That's uh, oh. I've, I've never claimed that. I've claimed I did my graduate work, but I didn't ever. Oh, so you I got never actually, yeah. Well, but, maybe so went you, to graduate school. Oh, for sure, I did all my coursework. So you're making fifty k straight out of college in. Back yeah, then. I mean, it's after a, a year and a half, money. yeah, I got promoted. Yeah, it was a lot back then. Yeah, I'm accurate. I was like looking at a mortgage. I was like, oh, I'm rolling. And then April called and was like, hey, I got this job for six grand. And I paused and I was like, whoa. And I just, it was just that, you know, I knew in my gut, this is what I wanted to do. You know, I'd worked my dad's camps. I'd done coaching, you know, even at the age of 17, he'd throw me out in front of the whole camp. It was like 250 people. And he'd say, hey, go do the principles of attack in this group. And so I'd constantly been mm. doing coaching and, I remember speaking to my dad and you know, my, you, you know, my dad, he was like, Oh, that's brilliant. Go for it. You know, my mom's like, are you fucking nuts? You know? <laughs> and I just, I just took a leap of faith and I, 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 you know, reflectively I said, Oh, I, I chose passion over paycheck because it was, it was clearly <laughs> not a financial decision, but I did it. I loved it. Um, fell in love again with just, you know, just working with people and helping people achieve goals. Like, you know, that's just, the, it's the people part. Right. Mm. And, um, I just, yeah, so that's when I fell into it more than I made that conscious decision to to be a coach, I think. So you went to William & Mary? I did, yeah. I went to William & Mary for four years. And my decision there, I literally said to one of my best friends, where are you going to school? And she goes, William & Mary. I said, okay, that's where I'm going. Because <laughs> no one in my co- my family had ever been to school, university. It was, I, I, you know, I didn't know very much. As you would say, I was pretty fresh off the boat. And so 
I just decided to go where my friends were going. I mean, I didn't even know about well, SATs already, or grades. You already or like, started playing organized 16, soccer. Yeah. 16, yeah. <laughs> Three so, years prior. Exactly. Two years prior. That's so, crazy. And then you go play in college. Yeah. So I was, uh, it was, it worked out. I, I, you know, I would probably tell people now, be a bit more thoughtful. But for me, it was a fantastic fit. It was great. What position were you? I was a forward, left winger. Oh, I thought you were forward. a midi. No, no. Why did I think you were I could run like the wind back in the day, Jules. <laughs> they used to call me ostrich because I had really long legs. <laughs> I would be like, take off. But yeah, I, it was great. I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I was, I was really shy. So when I came over to this country, I literally didn't talk for two years. So we'd go to a restaurant. My friends would order food because I just had a wicked strong accent and everybody would stare at me. So I just kind of sat there. I'm like, I'll take a burger and fries, you know, to, to Megan McCarthy, and you know, and uh, and then gradually, I think through sport, it helped me kind of, you know, just come out of my shell a little bit. So you say you don't have that an in a accent. few beers at William Murray at the College Deli. <laughs> that always helps. Yeah. <laughs> you you say you don't have an accent anymore. I don't think so. Yeah. No. I, I hear it occasionally, maybe a little so. bit. Do people do people say to you, "Are you British or Australian?" Get that oh, a lot. They, they yeah. think you're Australian. Yeah. I don't know why. So the Australian. Exactly. So, but yeah, I just, I fell into coaching, but there was no, there was no women coaching. I mean, April was coaching, but there was really no career path. There was no role models. It just didn't seem like a viable path at the time. And yet you chose that. I was like, I'm doing it. Wow. (laughs) Exactly. And then can you tell us a bit about your dad and his role in having a soccer academy in the States? Yeah, well, he came over. So my dad was a Royal Marine commando, so he was kind of a badass back there. And, uh, and then kind of. Yeah. And he, dad was. He came, is. Um, he came to the States and he, he actually came over was when the, uh, end of, and NASL was formed or was ongoing and he was brought over to kind of work an apprenticeship program. And it was long story short, he created his own company and uh, soccer academy and I would work every summer. My dad made, this kind of gives you perspective on the whole immigrant thing. My dad made 15 grand a year. William Mary was five. So a third of their salary, they mm-hmm. shelled out to try and put me through college. And mm-hmm. so I'd work every summer um, for mm-hmm. camp. I was, you know, I started out the water girl, which I know is your moniker as well. Mm-hmm. I upped it to uh, aquatic engineer, however. <laughs> That's what a William Mary education so gets good. you over Stanford educa- education. You see what I'm saying? Shoot. Why English didn't I think of that? English exactly. Major, right? So I was the aquatic engineer and then aquatic I graduated engineer. into coaching and yeah, but, um, yeah, my dad was a huge influence. I mean, the guy, he was, you know, he'd go out and train 21-year-old guys as part of this apprenticeship program that he had. And then he would, you know, you'd see him working with six-year-olds and he just, he could just deliver the message. He and could connect such with great everyone. energy. He'd yeah. come out and train with us and we'd be like, yeah. come back, John. <laughs> yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah, he used to come to train national team yeah. occasionally. He was with uh, April in uh-huh. 2000, I think, when mm-hmm. they did the, so he came on board, yeah. He's still got his jacket, bless him, 2000. I'm like, Dad, you need to put that in the... <laughs> In the closet, but yeah, he's sweet. Old school. Yep. Aw. And everyone's coming out for the game in they Chicago? They are. Mom, dad, brother, sister-in-law. Um, yeah, everyone. My Betts and Lil, of course. Yeah. Aw, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, it'll be fun. You might get a little teary. I, I probably will. <laughs> you should. Yeah, I will, for sure. It's, right? yeah. I think it's just like this camp, I, I like, like Lynn's is, is not here right now, Haran, because yeah. she, she took an injury, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, I hope I get to see her, you know, because right. it's just like, these, you know, you're just with these guys all the time. Yeah, so. since it's the last hurrah. Yep. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the World Cups. Compare, if you would, compare and contrast 2015 and 2019 wins. Hmm. Well, I was um, 2000. I mean, both incredibly phenomenally, you know, rewarding and gratifying and amazing. Just very different rides. You know, it mm. was um, 
I think 20, 2015, I didn't, I hadn't been on, I'd been on Peter's staff with an Olympics, but I'd never been on staff as a, in a World Cup. So I think it was, um, and I think it was because it was in Canada, it was close. And I think it was just, it just, the sport was growing so much. It was a really, you know, I, like I show out a press room and I'm like, oh my God, all these people are here. You know, it's kind of like, so I think it was just a lot of, um, newness to me at that point in terms of going into a World Cup journey. But I knew going in, I think from qualifying to the World Cup, it was maybe seven months. Mm. So it was a much shorter, Tight. a much shorter time. Mm-hmm. I knew the players because I'd been with Pia. Tony was with Pia. That's where we met. So I had some familiarity with just the role and, and the players. So it was really one of those decisions of, Let's go with what we have. You know, we don't we don't want to retool this a whole lot in terms of system and shape. I know Pia had, you know, looked at a four three three. So we had you know, I knew the group really well. And I think that was part of when I interviewed, I just said, you know, I know the strengths of this group. I know, you know, where we need to improve a little bit, but the reality is this is the core group. And now it's just kind of getting them firing all cylinders. Um, you know, when I first met the group, when I was first introduced as the coach, I think I put the quote up, even if you're on the right track, if you sit there, you'll get run over. And I did that because it had been 16 years since we won a World Cup. Mm. And I think it was just, it was that reminder to them that we were currently number one in the world, Olympic gold medalist, but we had to continue to move forward. 16 years. Yeah. Crazy when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was. And so I knew that, you know, there was a lot, there was a lot riding on this one. Um, you know, some of our players, I knew it would be their last thing. So in terms of different, I think it was a shorter run up. It wasn't a, it wasn't a situation. I knew my group, knew the players, knew the system that fit the best for them. And, you know, just kind of, again, I think going into it, you know, second time around, you learn so much from going through it before. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, we weren't, I don't think we had as much in our arsenal in terms of depth. And that's not knocking when, any of those Which players. one? 15. Yeah. You know, we just, we just grown, I think, in our, in our depth in terms of, um, you know, personnel. I think we, because we didn't have a whole lot of time, we hadn't built in a lot more tactical nuances and, and things. We just kind of went out there and, and we grinded it out. out yeah. We grounded out. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't always at times pretty. And I, I honestly mm-hmm. believe that rarely is a World Cup pretty. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not. It's it's games. It's must win games. It's finding ways to win. It's you know. I think that actually the final was just surreal in, in so many ways because it was like you know, pinch, yeah, pinch me. I mean, yeah. like, are you kidding? Sixteen three, minutes, three, three goals. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, wait, what just happened? You know, and you I you were getting a beer, you missed it all. And I think that was it. Was honestly a, a World Cup that we we certainly had to not problem solve, but when we got the suspensions, it was solving as as we went through it. It wasn't. I don't feel we had as much preparation in all the things that potentially could happen because mm. you hadn't really experienced those, you know, but I think in 2019, it was, com- you know, completely different. We'd covered everything. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was amazing. I mean, the, the, the people on 2015, you know, Abby and the, you know, Piercy, I mean, the leadership there, just getting them on the pitch was probably the best moment in the whole World Cup for getting them in the final because it was just so fitting and appropriate. Yeah. They were tremendous. So just different in terms of timing, preparation. Um, 19 you know. just felt so much more emphatic. It was this dominant, this swagger, this... Yep. Um, I yeah. mean, it was... It was five European teams you had to knock off, yet I, know. I never felt you were really threatened. 
Maybe the Spain game actually was probably Spain, the one time Spain I got England, most nervous. I think you know. I, I think yeah. you know. Someone asked me the other day about the France game. I'm like, you know what? I think like at the 70th minute, I was like, they're not troubling us. Mm-hmm. You know, we made a, a mental error on the on the goal we gave up, but I feel like we were. And what I mean by not troubling, that is not an arrogant thing to say, but I, I felt like we were in a good situation to control it, weren't hanging on. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, I think 2015, I think it was, um, it was just a different, very different journey. You know, it was, it was like kind of thinking on your feet and, you know, the decision to, Carly got hot. So let's push Carly closer to the goal. That was the decision, you know, <laughs> I mean, all the rocket science. It was like, she got hot, started scoring goals. Uh, let's push her closer to the goal. You know, put less defensive responsibilities on her and it paid off. You know, it was more of, whereas I think going into 2019, it was every possible. I mean, the conversations we had about substitution patterns in 19 would be an hour and a half. In 15, it's like, okay, we've got, you know, and it was just different. And I don't think it was a, a lack of preparation. It was just probably that you just grow so much from one World Cup to another in terms of anticipation and of what's going to potentially come in front of you. And the ability to deal with the pressure in such a confident, calm way. I mean, I know it couldn't have always been so confident and calm, but think about the distractions of 19. What was your reaction when the president started tweeting about Megan Rapinoe? I was like, oh, God. I think, you know, like I would say going to 2015, one of the the lessons I learned in 15 was that actually keeping your head down, not paying attention to a lot of things, it was it was a blessing, right? Because then you're allowed to clearly just focus on what was in front of you and the people around you. So going into 19, it was a similar approach. But the difference was I said to my press officer, if there's something I need to know, let me know because I don't want to call out. So he actually had to tell me that. Because, you know, I, I mean, you got to understand, we are with computers, in meetings. It's just you are just so – and I'm not on social media. So I was like – and I kind of, you know, a little bit – I was like, really? Kind of, you know, I was like kind of laughed a little bit. Um, and you know, just because it was, I just know this group. And, I can only imagine Heifetz walking over. And to I was you like, that's, that. yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, like, because what I, what you know is that they are so well versed and mature in dealing with what's the number one priority. And that's the performance, the games. People said, how did you deal with that? And I said, well, it never, it never flooded into our performance. It never flooded into our meeting rooms. It never flooded into our, so it was something that, it's allowing them to be people. You know, you can't just expect them just to be athletes and not have views on politics mm-hmm. or social issues. So it wasn't something that, yeah, I mean, I just, it kind of struck me a little bit funny in a way. Like, okay, wow, they're getting into a, getting into it. Um, but there are a lot of coaches who couldn't trust that. You know what I'm saying? And they would have tried to, to curb it, curb it, it, and then it would have been an issue, I'm sure, because I do think you need that outlet in a sense when you know your players need that outlet. Yeah, right? for sure. I That's mean, how they are. I think, like I, you know, I, I think I, when I was a young coach, you, you were, I was independent. Like I did, everything was about what I decided, and then I was very, you know, in a way demanding. And I think as I matured, I became way more collaborative. Let's get the best out of people, and so giving people freedom to make decisions actually gets the best out of them whether it's hey listen you know we, we look at the schedule hey should we have a meal out this night what do you guys think and giving people some input mm-hmm. that's dealing with people i think in a mature way i think if you go in and you are this is it it's my way or the highway i think it's a turn off because it's not how i would want to be you know i think i trust myself to make decisions i trust these players if it ever fell outside of 
affecting the team? Would I have? Yeah, of course. You know, there's sometimes you have to step in and you have to say, we're not doing that or we can't do that. But to me, giving players a voice, it's a family. And you sit around your dinner table and you talk about social issues and you talk about politics and you talk about other things. It shouldn't be any different when you spend 200 days on the road with people. Um, and I just, yeah, I just knew them. And I actually, you know, part of me, I, when I was in the press conference with Pino and they were asking her about it, I actually said this. I'm like, I actually think the more, the more, in, the more the spotlight shines on her. It actually, yeah. it's like, it's not kryptonite. It's freaking strengthening her. And it even makes her, um, you know, stronger, I think. Yeah. So I think that responsibility. She handled that so well. Magnificently. I mean, that was a master class in press mm-hmm. conferences. Yep. I mean, going I walked in, away from that going, anyone should, that yep. wants to know how to deal yep. with the media as an athlete, go watch that 30 yep. minutes. I mean, owning it, you know, yeah. I think she apologized for swearing, but I mean, owning it and, you know. <laughs> Her mom wouldn't like that. Believe, said, right? Exactly. But believing in it. And, and that's, you know, I think. You know, I, I credit credit Pino in this. Is I think her her confidence it did it did rub off in such a positive way mm-hmm. to the young players mm-hmm. because you know going into that France game that had been circled on everybody's freaking calendar for however many months, Pino went in there. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Going to be you know shit show. It's it you know it's it's what we've been built to do. It's what we live to do. And I think the young players kind of like, okay, you know, and they, and they pick up on that vibe. And I think that's. That's a part of leadership, you know. It's 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 a different style, it, but it's having the confidence to be who you are allows others to go, okay, I'm good, you know. And you know, I remember she would say, you know, we'd conversations. She'd be like, I tell them it, it's a, it's okay to be stressed. It's it's the World Cup. You're yeah. going to be stressed. Like, don't you're not invincible, but but let's make sure that we we get this done. So she was great, fantastic. That France game was the loudest game ever. At- Ever. I th- I've been to a lot of World Cups, men, yep. women. Yep. I've never sat in an environment like yep. that. That was, um, you know, that was, it was funny. I was talking to um, Emma Hayes at Chelsea, mm-hmm. and she'd taken her club team to play at Parc de Prince against PSG, and she said, it is just incredibly loud. And I remember, you know, because I told you about everything was about preparation. We would train in stadiums and we would crank up mm. music loud so that we could, we, we had, you know, we had ways of communicating without speaking. We had, we would crank up the, the sound so that the players would practice their penalty kicks in. We actually taped the France sounds, you know, and to try and simulate that because it was, it was probably the first time that we've ever been completely overpowered in terms of fan base and noise and people that knew the sport and it just felt like this rush you just felt the crowd built the momentum for the players on the pitch for mm-hmm. the France team because I think they were a little bit deflated deflated and it was just this surge and yeah. you could feel it and yeah. it was unreal it's like yeah. nothing I've ever experienced well in and, and that all games had been so pro us it was like a home game the entire yeah. tournament yeah. and then i thought as we were outside the stadium you're seeing you know our american oh, outlaws march in and i'm like okay our presence is going to be pretty good here and then did you hear the pregame interview with joy and me on the field no. for fifa so um get booed <laughs> yes oh no way who's the french player sonia um hi <clears throat> she played uh i can't remember her last name she played in uh WSA, I think, or uh, the second one, WPS. She was on the field with us. Um, Joy and I were doing that, like, literally right before kickoff, that interview with the stadium. And she, they go to her first in in French, and she's like, ba, 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 ba. And she's, like, screaming into the mic. And the whole place goes, (laughs) And I turn to her, I go, Sonia, 
what did you say? <laughs> she goes, I said, every time we lose to the United States, this time we kill them. <laughs> then, oh, Jesus. And then it comes to Joy right next. He's like, and the, you know, little Joy who's so quiet. They're like, Joy, what do you think about the American presence? She goes, I know the Americans in the stadium tonight are going to be louder than the French. The whole stadium goes, boo. Oh, my God. That's all. Oh, thanks, Joy. <laughs> That's classic. Hysterical. I was like, okay. Yeah. It seems like it's it's more French than I thought. Well, I'm going to say one of the coolest moments was hearing La Marseille song by the French. I mean, their national oh. anthem. I, lo- I love their yeah. anthem. It's a great like, anthem. I got like teary. And just hearing that and all that, it was, that kind of blew me away. But yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, I think I said in the press, it was like, it was almost like a tsunami of sound that just came through the stadium and you're like, oh my God. That's why that early goal was so huge. Oh, huge. Just like huge. Boom. Pop the air out of that I mean, one. come on, Tobin's was a goal, right? Yeah. Come on, please tell me that was a goal. <laughs> I mean, on. that would have been a whooping, but um, yeah, it was, it was great. You had this great quote at the World Cup when people were talking about how the team was dealing with the pressure, right? Whether it be, you know, the pressure to win because of the lawsuit, uh, the all the controversies back at home, whether it was, you know, the debate about too much celebration, too many goals, all those things, right? I mean, there was a lot of noise happening. And you had this great quote where you said, other teams visit pressure, this team lives in it. Oh, yeah, right. I was like, oh, that's so good. But there had to be moments that were stressful what was the most stressful moment at the world cup for you it was probably that like a specific moment it was in the england game first of all before the game the trainer came over and rose rose's hammy was grabbing and i think uh, kelly's quad was grabbing and they'd already been put on the starting lineup so if you take them out so we're down pino you take them out you suddenly you scratch those players, right? Mm. So I was like, so we had to really make a big decision because if you blow a sub in, two subs in 15 minutes, screwed. And this is in warm-ups. This is like towards the end of warm-ups. We're in the possession activity now. I'm like, oh, crap. So I literally, I, I leave her. I, I bomb out to Krieger and I said, be ready. And I bomb out to Mewis. And I said, be ready. I think it was uh, I think it was Mewis. And then I scamper into the, into the, into the locker room and I grab our medical team and then my coaches come in i said okay here's the situation da, da, da. and then i grabbed rose and kelly came in and i just gambled i said what do you think and they're like oh well, you know and they were willing to give it a go it wasn't you know so i was like let's just gamble so that was kind of a big decision because mm. it could have completely come undone if they'd have needed out early because obviously it was like i don't know what was the semis right so it was like late late game in the in the in the run and then during the game, I think we had our sort of subs plan. And then all of a sudden, Tobin needed out. And we hadn't, so we were sort of, mm-hmm. it was just, it was just a little bit of a scramble to try and make sure that we had everything, every box checked. Cause now we had to leave players in that were potentially going to be hurt. I mean, I don't know how Kelly survived the whole tournament, to be fair. I mean, yeah. she gets the badge of honor because, yeah. you know, that, that player was just ridiculously tough. Um, so I think it was those moments and it, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, actually when I was watching the semifinal of Sweden and Holland and you sit up high, I'm like, this is stressful sitting up here. When you're actually down there, like I was like, oh my God, all these fans and this hoopla. And when you're down there and you're so in it, you, you're not, you're just thinking. And I think because we'd prepared for everything, that was suddenly a bit of a curveball because we'd expected this many minutes and we planned this and, and we had to make it work. And then, you know, just we were not 
we didn't have a whole lot of you know depth in in in, in the back line so it was like okay who do we use so i think that was kind of the moment where it was a little bit like felt like uncharted water but honestly everything else i i don't know i just don't i so you can't you, in that moment you can't worry about the game. It's like you playing a game, right? You, when you play a game, mm-hmm. you're not stressed. Mm-hmm. You're in the business of doing what you need to do to make it make it work. And I think that was um, that was good. And I think even going into the games, I think the France game I was the most excited for, like like really excited, but felt like we were ready. I think the Spain game was like if there was we called it our banana peel game because it was mm-hmm. the one team. Yeah that we could have slipped up on yeah. because you know you, you know your team's up for england and france and a final and mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden it's the round of 16 and was it round of 16 mm-hmm. yeah round of 16 it's a team that's good it's a team that their shape can you know um put you under some pressure mm-hmm. but they came out and they sat off us and at that moment i was like oh this is awesome <laughs> because i expected them to do what they'd done in january which was to kind of impress mm-hmm. us and sit high on us and make it hard for us to play out so I think that was a game where I was going into it like we we got to get this right. We got to get this right. So And how do you go about doing that especially in these the highest pressure situation you can imagine in your line of work? How do you get to a point where you know you're going to be comfortable on the sidelines? People say what's your favorite part about coaching? I'm like the game. The game is the favorite part because like I said this, if if I knew a result before I played it, the game, I would never play. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't coach because it, it takes away all the that's why you play. It's like you do all this preparation and then you want to see it play out and you hope it plays off, but it doesn't always. So if someone told me, are oh, you going to win this game 3 now? Like, oh, that's, that's just not fun. I don't know that I would honestly coach if I always knew what the outcome was going to be. So that unknown piece, that adrenaline piece is, is actually the intoxicating piece about it is just to see if it works out. How did, how do you prepare for it? I mean, I think we were ridiculously prepared. I think one, I had a staff that had been in the pressure cooker that you know in those moments that these decisions had to be made. But I think we anticipated so much. We had so much prep done. Um, you know, it was it was crazy. It was just I don't think there was a situation that we hadn't thought through in terms of injuries. I mean, I even was like, if I lose all three forwards, here's what we do. If we go down a man, here's our shape. And, and the players, I think if you would ask them, they would probably say we were so prepared because – I think the journey of 15 just gives you so much clarity on what you need to make sure you fine-tune. Yeah, and the journey of 16. And the journey of 16. Of 16. Losing in the Olympics. People forget that whole stretch, right? Because they they remember the shiny bit at the end where you guys win. (laughs) But there was that stretch where, and, and to your credit, I remember in 2017, 2018, you saying to me privately, if I'm worried about losing now, what am I doing? Right. And you were tinkering and you were experimenting and different formations, different players. You were losing games because you were tinkering. And you said, I know, but that's the only way I discover how to do it. Yep. But there's a lot of coaches (laughs) who sure as hell would not have had the courage to do that. Where did that come from? I think, the, I think the game in 16 was a massive wake up call and we lost to Sweden in penalty kicks. It was a one, one game. And I was, you know, it was the first time a really good team had sat really low in compacted space and they really nullified what we wanted, which was space. We were an athletic team. And it made me, I think there was that. I also think, you know, and I look back at 16, we had in, in 2015, our set piece takers were, um, Cheney and Pino. 
and both of them were not in there in 16 and so we had you know and Tobin's fantastic but it, you know, we had depth at set piece taking and I think we we grew that coming out of that so I think we came out of that I came out of that World Cup and uh, I'm sorry that Olympics and it was like lowest finish we've ever finished in the Olympics in any major yeah. tournament because we had never yeah. lost before oh, thanks Jules <laughs> Sorry to remind you. <laughs> we had never lost before the medal round. God, I know. There's quarters. Um, so I, like, literally, I remember kind of putting putting my technical report together. And I remember I was called to, to, called to New York, right? You know, I think I was meeting Sunil and, and Dan and Jay. And I, I said to my staff, US my am soccer I'm, officials. Yes. I said, I'm taking the autopsy. That's what I called it secretly. I'm taking the autopsy there. And um, I went in there and... I just, you know, I think part of it is you just feel optimistic, right? Like you've got to be because this is what we have to now build towards. And and the thing was, is probably what people didn't really realize is before the Olympics, after 2015, I'd met with them and I'd said, I'm going to probably bring some newer players to the Olympics. One, we had some people retiring, but two, it's also the next major world event before the next World Cup. So we brought some younger players in there, and that's not why we lost. It was just it was just a culmination of where wh- what was I looking at the Olympics? And I remember Sunil saying, "Well, it cost me a shade of medal." I said, "Oh no, we, we we've got enough to win. We can win this." And you know, then we come away empty-handed. But I think it was just. I think had yeah, clearly had we not won in 2015, I'd have been out the door. I mean, you get that. There's zero margin for error with this job. You win silver and you're, you're, you're you know, you're poo. So, <laughs> um, but I think it was, you know, I think I pitched to them what the plan was. And to be fair, they had the kind of courage to buy into that and at least go, okay, we, we get it. And I said, this is where we have to take the team and this is what has to happen and da, da, da. Um, and then we began this process. And I remember at the end of 2016, I said to the players, I'm like, it's, it, it's a reboot. It's a hard reboot on our computers. It's doesn't matter about medals or caps, we, but this is how it should be. We should compete for our spots. So for the older players, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be stretched. It's going to be challenging. My two goals, I said to them, was to play an incredibly challenging schedule because I didn't want to play cupcakes and not really find out more about ourselves. And then I said, I'm going to add depth to the roster. And that's going to really affect some of you. So I said it to them. I said it to my bosses. So then it was like, okay, let's roll with it. And so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really. Uh, there had to be a moment in the middle of it, though, where you were like, yeah, I hope this is going to be okay. Well, yeah, I mean, it. you just knew. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it's like if you're going to go all in with something. Like and I said this, like I'm. You, you can't, I think some reporter asked me about, you know, losing your job. And I said, I don't, I don't coach to keep my job. I coach mm. to what I believe. And, and this is what I think we have to do. And the interesting thing was, is, is Japan was going through a bit of a reset at the time. Germany was starting, like every team has to go through that. And maybe, maybe that didn't happen in our 16 year window, right? I don't know. Cause I, you know, I didn't track everything in that, but I think there has to be a point where you kind of, Say, okay, where's the game headed? And I think that was the biggest thing is 2016 was a wake-up call and the game was only going to get more and more hard, more and more sophisticated. What did we need to do? And I felt, I truly felt like myself, my staff were the best people to deliver that. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't going to be easy and it wasn't. (laughs) So, I find something really interesting that you said is that after 2016, the finish at the Olympics, you felt optimistic mm-hmm. how soon after that game did you feel optimistic and how much is <laughs> optimism a part of who you are as a person and coach i think it was it was it was definitely not immediately it was you know it was actually when i started to put the technical report together i was um 
I was like, this is what needs to happen. And I'd already, because I, you know, I'd been involved with our youth. I, I kind of knew some of them. I knew Rose Lavella in 2016. Mm. And I was like, this is a player that I think can help us because the game was going to be so compact that this is a player that can get out of a freaking, you know, window, right? Mm-hmm. A tiny window. Which is what you were missing in 16. Yeah. Um, you know, that and, you know, Pina was, he wasn't a factor mm-hmm. then because she was so, you know, she was still injured really. I mean, coming back off an injury. Um, so we didn't really have her. Um, but I think it was just, yeah, it was just kind of a, we need to continue to evolve. And, and again, it's not a knock on where we were, but if you're going to just remain status quo, you will not win. And that was the pitch to the team. We've got to continue to grow. And, you know, so playing a back three, I was like, why are you playing the back three? Well, playing a back three because we weren't particularly, we didn't have a lot of depth in the back. So, okay, let's play with one less and see mm-hmm. how that looks because we're loaded with forwards. So how does that look? And so bringing all the players in after all this and kind of going through everybody. And, and the other thing that I think was hard for the players to understand was, I'd committed to not bringing in players and giving them 10 minutes at the end of a game. I committed to starting some of these players because I wanted to see, like, let's not wait 10 months to see if someone has the medal. Let's see if they have it now. And so I would throw these people in their first cap, a start. And I think that was hard because it's, you know, it, it is, I get it, it's sacred ground. You know, playing for the national team is, is, is massive. And I think at times the players felt like I was, you know, giving out these caps. But in truth, it was to kind of weed it out to see who was going to stand tall at the end. That was mm-hmm. the process. You also had to navigate through two legends of the game playing in, Abby was her last World Cup in 2015, mm-hmm. in a very different role. So mm-hmm. star, legend of the game, now on the bench. And then also had to manage, same thing with Carly, quite possibly at 37, her last World Cup, yep. star who started and now is on the bench. And that couldn't have been easy either. Yeah. And and you were able to win both with two legends going out. We've seen other teams, obviously, in other countries. I think it's... Not managed that well. I, I give credit to the people because I think, you know, that's, that is... Um, they have to manage it as well, right? So it's not it's not just what the coach... They have to manage it or it doesn't happen. And I think, you know, so I think the conversation with Abby was, you know, Abby's... Um, yeah, she's incredibly self-aware and just, you know, just was, I get it. I mean, she's, she, she, I said, well, I, listen, I'm going to take you to World Cup if you have one leg. Like, I want you, <laughs> I coming. need you. I don't know if you're going to start. You might just play 90. You might come off the bench, but you are going to be massive in this journey. And, you know, thoughts. And she was just like, yes, yes, yes. Um, I think Carly was a different approach because Carly wasn't there and mm-hmm. still isn't there. And that's what makes Carly special <laughs> is she's going to, you know, she's going to fight and scrap and, and push and because that's what makes her who she is, right? So it's almost like you can't expect someone to change. You can't expect a leopard to change their spots. But can they be a professional? And that's what Carly was. Mm. So I credit both of them for their professionalism. Um, you know, one one embraced it and one dealt with it. And there's nothing... Um, I, I mean, again, I think one of my f- best moments in the in the World Cup in 2019 was Carly getting the goal. I didn't care; it was the 13th goal. It was just I knew all the conversations we'd had, all the. It's hard. I mean, that's you know, I full credit to them. It's hard from changing your role. Mm-hmm. It's um, and I think especially when you potentially feel you have so much more to give, but was always a pro, um, and scoring that goal just. It, I just, I mean, I had a flood of emotion because it was at that moment that I just known that she'd, she'd worked so hard to this mm. point. And, uh, you know, Carly's always going to be someone that's going to push. But 
conversations, you know, tough conversations at times, but the reality is she, she managed it. And, uh, she's there a, ever a point during the world cup because she had, you know, a series of quotes in, in the press saying I should be in there. You know, yeah. I, I want to be in there. I yeah. think I've proven I should be in there that it became an issue with the group because it's at one point, I mean, everyone knows Carly is like that, right? Yeah. So it's a little bit different if she hadn't been like that. But at one point I was like, this is kind of creeping onto that borderline of like, it's becoming a distraction. Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't read anything. So I was unaware. <laughs> you had no idea. I had no idea. And I think that's great because yeah. then I go in with a filter that's never going to be, it's never going to be affected or influenced. Again, I think I have people around me that if it was, if it, you know, if anything, I don't mean just comments. I mean, if anything becomes derogatory to the team, then yeah. But I think people just know that that's what, you know, how, how some people motivate themselves is to do that. But at the end of the day, it was, I think, you know, I knew the role. I think the team knew the role and, and, and Carly dealt with the role. So I think it was, you know, all in all, I mean, I think she's, she handled it incredibly well. There's been no one on the women's side to win two World Cups. And you're only the second coach ever, right? There was on the men's side, the Italian coach. I don't know his name. Apologies. I think they won in 38 and 34, maybe. You yeah, weren't, you weren't even a twinkle in your daddy's eye at that point. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, th- think about what you've done, Jill. Do do you think about that? No, I don't. <laughs> you should. <laughs> I don't. In fact, the other day, um, yesterday, Ryan, our equipment guy, he has this screensaver and it's got the two medals on, on a jersey. It's like a picture. And I'm like, that is so pretty. That is so cool. And I kind of looked at it. I was like, oh, my God. And I actually didn't even realize that the medals had Canada and France on them. And, and not because you just you don't really dwell in that moment. I think looking back, I will. I mean, oh, my God, my dad is scrapbooking up the yin-yang. So I'm sure at some point I will reflect on it. But, um, you know, I just, I don't know. I just, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just your job. I mean, it's been, I've been blessed to do this. So I feel, yeah, I just think it's been, it's been great. I've enjoyed it. I, I can't, I can't put it in the sense of, like, to me, it's this, I going into this job, people would always say, oh, the pressure, the pressure. You don't go into this job if you don't know you don't be on this team if you don't know the expectation so i feel like i've you know met the expectation (laughs) like that's you know that's what i was supposed to do exactly you know so it's (laughs) like okay um you know it's just like the players i mean if they get silver medal they're they're just not going to be happy i mean other teams jump up and down and it's just it's just what this place is about and what you know what you guys have built it's just so i think i've just done my job you know (laughs) oh dear Big, sh- big shoes to fill. I had big shoes to fill. <laughs> you started the conversation by saying, you know, you, you would wake up every day wanting to look at video and film and mm-hmm. being consumed in it. It never felt like a job. It was so much fun. That's what you're drawn to. What's next? How do you fill that void? What do you fill it with? FIFA. Video games. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I'm a, I know it's kind of out there now. I'm a bit of a gamer. I, I do enjoy video games. Really? Kinda, oh, yeah. It's like my – it's like my – if there's a period where – I don't think about anything. It's if I can play in a video game because then it's like I'm all in with the video game. Love video games. You're a gamer. Oh, yeah. I mean, back from the Atari days. Oh, my gosh. I would sneak out of grad school and go and play like Centipede and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, everything. Now they're just way sophisticated. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I haven't. Oh, God. Do not say I don't know. You have to have some idea. I truly do not. So a good friend of mine, won't know her name, mention her name, but she said to me, she'd done a, a big job and she said, 
she she took a pause and she said don't don't take the first thing that comes at you just mm-hmm. just enjoy and then gradually you'll filter out what you want to do because i mean i can't imagine not being connected to sport because that's what i love right i love this game and so i don't and you know part of it is like when i was an english major i was like what the hell am i going to do you don't really know what's out there until you're actually out there in life and so now i'm sitting here and i'm like i don't really know what's out there i mean i've done a bit of speaking and you know but might be a podcaster you know might dethrone you (laughs) you make a fabulous podcaster magic um we could do it in like different different accents that'd be great um so i think i uh i haven't i truly haven't i mean i think it's just yeah i mean i'm gonna be an ambassador is it scary to you it fun exciting not scary, fine not good. scary at all yeah that's i mean I, I think that's you know that's like my dad a long time ago he's like just if you're if you're a good person and you got up some ability you'll always land on your feet so take risks and so i don't i don't worry about what's next i mean listen i'm the kind of person if i have to go flip burgers to pay the mortgage i'll do it <laughs> yeah because that's just you know that's kind of uh-huh. the way i was raised but um i'm not I'm sure give your dad a huge hug in chicago oh yeah he's, how about that if you're a good person you got some ability not a lot <laughs> just some of it didn't want to make me a big head feet. yeah um all right lynn should we do our game so the reason why you have a little elephant in front of you jill and the plastic donut is we always play a game with our guests. Okay. This game is called... And I don't get very competitive. <laughs> oh, I'm said, playing against straight. you? Oh, yes. Game over then. <laughs> Let's Here snap, I go. Snap. Let's go. I'm going to be asking you both questions. You each have the opportunity to answer them. The only rule is you have to squeak in with an answer, so you get to choose the squeaker, the donut, or the elephant. Oh, this one's easier to squeak. Okay, thank you for giving me the donut. Yeah, it's harder to squeak, see? Oh. Mine is a quick squeak. <laughs> That's actually good thinking. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm Very really, strategic. It's all about the buzzer. And you cannot, this is the Pause. Lily rule, oh. you cannot buzz in before the question is finished. Okay. Damn it. Or close to finish. Okay. <laughs> Today's game is English Connection because you both have connections oh, to see, England. I never know what these games are. Okay. Lynn comes up with them. All That's right, good. Lynn. First question, what was the name of Adele's last album? 21 that's wrong it's it is incorrect i was going to give you options but if you want oh, 25 correct oh, boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. she just looks 21 oh my god that's like the first cultural reference i've gotten correct you just guessed higher that's all. i love adele that's why oh you do yeah 25 Lynn, i think you loaded ages. the questions one to zero julie mm, go come on this is embarrassing which of the following actresses is not a dame, Judy Dench, Elizabeth Taylor, or Meryl Streep? Meryl Streep. Correct. <gasps> Boom. I knew that one too. Gosh. Got a fast squeak. One, 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 one. What breed look of dog? Look at Jill's ready to go. <laughs> so into this. <laughs> I mean, I would fight over checkers, so I'm, I'm, this is awesome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> what breed of dog does the queen famously like? Boggy. Oh. Correct. Two did to one, Jill. One? I, I, I did not know that one. I mean, I knew, I, I see it visually, but I wouldn't have named the breed. <laughs> Corgi, is that what you said? Two one. Yeah. What is Prince Harry's actual first name? Is it Herbert, Henry, or Steve? Oh, come on! That's why I picked the elephant. Henry. Oh, my God. Correct. I had it! And it didn't score. No, that's. Didn't you feel like feeling which one was easier to squeak? 
Did you hear that? Could you catch that little? You need two elephants, I think, to make, make this fair. Julie's Freedom. getting her ass kicked. Damn it. I mean, I had it. There were, there's only five questions, so we oh, already have a winner. Over. But the last question is, favorite British slang or saying? Julie. Oh, this is going to be rude. I know where you were going. <laughs> You're a treasure. You ought to be buried at sea. <laughs> My mother okay, is rude. I won't say it. <laughs> you have no clean English bollocks. saying. <laughs> bollocks. Double bollocks. Uh, all right. Most pressing questions. How's your dog, Champ? Champ is great. I got him after 2015, and now we have Ian. So we have Champion. Oh, I get Boom. it. Yeah. Well, we couldn't figure out what to name him. And Betsy's like, let's just call him Ian. That is hysterical. Yeah, and they're so cute. This question comes from Lynn. Uh, <laughs> I was watching one of the Victory Tour games and realized you had a bag on the sideline. I'm wondering... What's in Lynn, the- what were you wondering? What is in the bag? What's in the bag? It's uh, my notebook, a pen, it's probably some gum. Dear, I mean, it's really your un- diary. Re- really uneventful. <laughs> uh, what else? Maybe my phone, which I was turned off because because there was one game. This is a top secret. One game where I didn't turn off my phone, and people thinking that I think Ashley Ali Wagner made a comment about me looking at my watch. Oh, she's counting down the game. Meanwhile, someone was calling me. I'm like, oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> He's calling me in the middle of a game. So, yeah, I turn it off. So, there you go. Nothing really exciting On in that your bag. Apple Watch, yeah. you're looking at it. Exactly. Favorite quote from John Wooden? What's Going my- back to your UCLA days. Oh, a lot. I mean, I used to, when I was coaching, it would be the whole um, be quick, but don't rush or don't hurry, I think his words. I think that's because you want to play at a certain tempo, but you don't want to be out of control. I like his one. What's the other one? Your. Your reputation is what people think of you. Your character is who you are. I think it was that one. Just, um, I don't know. He's got so many. So many. He's so I just, good. he's a god. What a rock star. Okay, last thing. High, low cheer. I do, do this around the dinner table with my kids. They're high of the day. <laughs> they're low of the day. Okay. And they're cheer. That's for someone else, right? That they're cheering on. Okay. It's done something nice. So, but this is of your career. High, low cheer of your career. I would say the high is the people I've come into contact with and been love blessed, blessed to be around. Less about results, more about the relationships. Yep. Love it. Low, uh, for sure games. <laughs> Losing. Um, You're seven. <laughs> seven games Only now. seven. Plus, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I think those are always tough. God, I hate losing. I hate it. And cheer. You did not le- lose the Lynn game. The squeaky toy game. I did not. That's why I feel yeah. really good leaving here. And, uh, my cheer is going to be Betsy. Mm. She's just, I, I'm not the person I am today without her. And I don't think I'm in this job if I'm not the person I am. So mm. I give her the big cheer. Betsy! Yep. <laughs> and a bottle of Miomi or something, I'm sure. <laughs> Pay off. Thanks, my friend. Oh, my gosh. Kindness. That was great. That was Thank fun. You. Thanks, Thank Lynn. You. Thanks, Jules. Thank you, you so much. from the donuts. You should no, take a cinnamon I'm, roll with you, though. Now I'm going to take a maple. I think that's a good decision right there, Lynn. I don't know about you, but that's a decision to live by. Words to live by. I'll go with the maple. If you can't go with the cinnamon rule, you always go with the maple. You know what? There are those of us who all we need is a glazed donut and we're good. Oh, yeah. Oh, I should have known this, right? If you ask Lynn, Lynn, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? And now, 
Imagine, people, imagine our dope village, how many flavors of ice cream there are out there in this world. And especially nowadays, it's like you can get anything. Lynn, <laughs> let's do it. Lynn, what's your favorite fa- flavor of ice cream? It's not what you think. It is what I think. It's vanilla. No, it's not. Have you evolved as a human? It was never vanilla. What? You don't even know me, Julie. You don't, don't even, even know, know me. I don't know you anymore. What is it? I don't even know you. It's a much fancier one. Oh, it's vanilla bean, isn't it? No, it's chocolate. Oh, that's just bad. Just as bad. And you know what I like on my pizza? Uh, cheese. I like cheese. Oh, cheese. You give me, you know, give me a glazed donut, cheese scoop pizza. of chocolate. Mm-hmm. cheese pizza keep it simple in life it's this simple midwesterner in you i do love that about you <laughs> okay party people thank you for listening to our world cup champs week we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did we launch season two on wednesday october 23rd with billy jean king my shiro the kinger as i call her and as always remember kids sing it with us Laughter permitted. You're a treasure. You ought to be buried at sea.